Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Praise God. Amen. Let's get our Bible, shall we? We're getting to the word of the Lord today. We are on the third part of our preaching and teaching on the four temptations of Jesus Christ. The Lord willing, Tuesday we will wrap it up with number four. But uh, we want to direct your attention today. We're going to be covering the third temptation, dealing with purpose and power. The book of Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 8, we begin reading there. Again, the devil taketh him up into exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels come and ministered unto him. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. Thank you, God, for your power and presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us. We are humbled, Lord, by your presence. We are thankful, God, that you stepped in. Lord, in our worship, we want to enthrone you upon our hearts and our lives. For you are king and you reign forever, and we exalt your glorious name. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Let everybody say amen. God bless you to be seated. Just a quick review of some of the things that we have talked about. But Jesus Christ, our high priest, our mediator, can be touched with the feeling of our issues, our infirmities. He's not a cold, unfeeling God. He understands and is qualified by coming to earth and taking on man to sympathize and empathize with us. For our text had we had read throughout our study from Hebrews, which says that, that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Notice it doesn't say he was touched with the infirmity. The infirmity didn't get to him, but he felt it. He did that without sin because the Bible says in the writing of Hebrews that we have used, but he was in all points tempted like as we are. All points. Every temptation that you and I have faced or will face came by Jesus. In the 40 days of fasting that he went into the wilderness to fast, in the 40 days during the fast 
and also at the conclusion of the fast, he was tempted, yet without sin. Oh, my. Let us then come boldly, the writer of Hebrews says, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy because he feels what we feel. When you, when you worship him and you engage your feeling, he recognizes that. When you weep because you're in need, he recognizes that. When you have an issue in your life and you're down and discouraged, depressed, distraught, whatever emotion, he has felt it. And he loves you and he wants to help you. Amen. In the first temptation, Satan attacked Jesus over provision where he said, if you are the son of God, then make these stones, turn these stones into bread. And the temptation was, don't wait for God to provide for you. You provide for yourself and trust in your ability. That's a temptation today. And then in the second temptation was over the issue of protection. The enemy took Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and put him on a place where he says, now the scripture says that he'll give his angels charge over you, then that he will not allow your foot to be dashed against a stone. So you jump down. And let's see if God will be there for you. The temptation today is, will God be there for you? Yeah, he will, but I don't have to jump to know that. I don't have to test him. He's going to be there because his word says. So in the the third temptation, Satan attacks Jesus over what we're seeing as, as purpose and power. Purpose and power. To understand the complexity and also the beauty of how God has interwoven scripture. Look with me just for a minute about the gospels. There are four gospels in the New Testament and we call them Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're unique, but some of them are very similar. Uh, I'm going to begin with the with going backwards from John just to show you how John portrayed Jesus Christ. John was written much later than the other three gospel, but John's gospel stands alone. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels, which means they are together in sight. Or they, they saw things together with a common view. We find that these books, the, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, cover many of the same aspects and events in Jesus' life in almost exactly the same order. But John is different. When you go to the book of John, you begin reading from the very first verse. And the very first verse of John says, In the beginning was God. He didn't go back to a genealogy as Matthew did, as Luke did, as Mark alludes to. But he begins at the beginning with, in the beginning was God. When you study the gospel of John, you will find that there are no parables mentioned. But the miracles are listed, many of which are not listed in the other three gospels. John has a particular focus about Jesus and that he is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then you jump down to verse 14, and the Word was made flesh. God was made flesh and dwelt among us. John shows Jesus 
as God. Go to Luke. Luke's gospel is the longest of the four. It is written in a historical and journalistic fashion. Luke was a physician, so he was meticulous, no doubt, and he was a master storyteller. He had a style of writing that appealed to both Jews and Gentiles. Luke provides extensive details of the life of Christ, and he portrays Jesus as the Savior of the world in portraying him as the Son of Man. When he went to Zacchaeus' house in Luke 19 and 9, Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come into this house, for as much as he also is the Son of Abraham, speaking of himself, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which lost. Luke provides a genealogy, amen, that, that tells where Jesus' lineage came from all the way back to Adam. It is interesting when you look at genealogy in Scripture, how many of you in your Bible reading gets to Chronicles, gets to the genealogies, and it's just like diving into a, a, a pool full of jello. Well, there's something you and I need to understand when we read genealogies. Genealogies is not just a listing of this one begat that one and this one begat that one. In the Hebrew mind, there is always a story behind the genealogy. Such is the case in the genealogies. Two of the gospel writers portray uh, uh, genealogies, both Matthew and Luke. Luke goes all the way back to Adam. You understand when you see that, that Jesus in his genealogy goes back to the first man because Jesus was flesh. He was God, but he was manifested in flesh. Therefore, he is called the son of man. Wherever you see the, in scripture, y'all going to have to bear with my throat today, but wherever you see in scripture, the Son of God, it is referring to the de deity of Jesus Christ. Wherever you see the Son of Man, it refers to the flesh. And Luke was readily equipped to declare, here is the Son of Man who came to be the Savior of the world. Aren't you thankful for that? Again, genealogies tell a story. So he traces in the story all the way back to Adam because he's talking about Jesus in the light of being the son of man. Mark is an interesting book. Do you realize today that Mark was written by a guy by the name of John Mark? Anybody remember John Mark in the book of Acts? John Mark in the book of Acts was the guy that the apostle Paul said in one of his earlier missionary trips, don't bring John Mark, he's worthless. It separated Paul and Barnabas as friends because Barnabas wanted John Mark to go, so they went a different direction, and Paul went another direction. But later on, you will find that Paul changed his mind. Evidently, John Mark got his act together, and he said, oh, bring the parchments, and don't forget to bring John Mark. Bring John Mark. John Mark was, was, was an interesting young man because he became the one that dictated the testimony of Peter. If you really want to know where Mark came from, it came from the apostle Peter. 
Peter dictated his testimony. Mark is not just writing as an eyewitness. He's writing as a scribe to tell what happened. So Mark is really the record of the apostle Peter. Doesn't that make it a little bit more clear to us today? In Mark 10 and 45, it shows us the, uh, the theme verse, perhaps, that shows us who Mark is talking about when he writes. He said, for even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark portrays Jesus as a servant. There are no genealogies listed because servants doesn't have a genealogy. Mark portrays Jesus as the servant that comes and gives his life a ransom for many. Aren't you glad for a Jesus that did that for you and me? It is interesting to note that in the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that there are on, all three of them mention the temptation. Matthew goes into detail. Luke goes into detail. Mark only mentions two verses. With no detail. Servants just do not get preferential treatment. I want to serve the Lord. Well, expect non-preferential treatment. I want to be used by God. Expect to be run over. Amen. Then Matthew, that is our study for today. Matthew presents Jesus as the promised Messiah, as the son of David and the coming king. Matthew has no doubt, was no doubt a meticulous tax collector. How many of you watched the uh, Chosen series? Did Matthew's character kind of throw you for a loop? They portray Matthew as every bit. At first I watched it, I thought, that's not a really good portrayal of Matthew. But the more I watched, the more I realized Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collectors are like accountants and meticulous bean counters and all that kind of stuff. I don't identify with that, but Matthew was meticulous. And when you study Matthew's gospel, you will find that he was very detail-oriented when he writes. You just don't rush over it. Matthew details what is going on. He alludes in his writing to prophecies about uh, even Balaam. He refers to Balaam's prophecy where Jacob would, there would be a star that would come out of Jacob. Uh, amen. Matthew traces Genesis or Jesus Christ's genealogy not back to Adam, but to Abraham. He doesn't go back to Adam. Luke said he's the son of man. And Matthew is now saying, I'm going back to Abraham. And he divides the genealogies up in groups of, of 14. 14 generations from Abraham to David. 14 generations from David to the exile. 14 generations from the exile to Jesus Christ's coming. What is he telling the story? Is that Jesus has the right to sit on David's throne because he is in the lineage of King David. He's not worried about making sure he's a man. He's making sure that the story of the genealogy tells that he is king, that he is royal. Matthew describes Jesus Christ in a royal picture as being king. 
You will notice that it was Isaiah 9 and 7. Isaiah 9 and 7. The Bible says prophetically of Jesus Christ. And of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord's host will perform this. The Israelites thought that he was talking about a natural kingdom, but Jesus had another idea. His kingdom that will have no end is that he will take that right to sit on the throne of the kingdoms of this world. Matthew then clearly portrays Jesus Christ as king. Amen. It is interesting to note that the gospel that depicts Jesus as royalty and as the son of man provide details of the temptation. Amen. No wonder Satan wanted to derail the prophetic promise that the Lord had promised in back in the Garden of Eden where he said that the, the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. He wanted to stop that in any way possible. When we get to this third temptation, bear in mind, Matthew is writing from the standpoint that he's king. Everybody say he's king. Think about this. When you read this temptation, again, the devil taketh him up into exceeding high mountain. Again. Here we go again. Have you ever felt that in your temptations? Have you ever felt like, man, I, I thought I had that conquered. I thought I'd put the devil in a box and threw away the key. I thought I had, had taken care of him. But again, he comes to tempt and he takes him to an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdom of the world and the glory of them. And he says, I'll give you this. I'll give you this if you will just fall down and worship me. If you'll just fall down and worship me. The attack this time is a little different. There's no trickery. There's just blatant temptation. It is visual. The enemy doesn't attack the sonship of Jesus Christ that he did in the other temptations, but he just simply shows to the Lord all the kingdoms of the world, and he says, and look at their splendor. Look at their glory. He showed Jesus all of the glory of these kingdoms, and he said, just fall down and worship me. Here is the temptation that he presents to Jesus, and that is your purpose can be circumvented on the fast track. Your purpose can be sent in a direction where you don't have to do what, 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 what you think you've got to do. You don't have to go to the cross. I'll give you the kingdom now. You don't have to go and, and sacrifice your life. The same voice that spoke from heaven that declared that Jesus was the son of God is also saying that he is heir. Satan is a sly fox, but he's a dumb fox. He's a sly fox, but he's a dumb fox. Amen. The psalmist said in chapter 2 and verse 7, declaring of Messiah who would come, he said, I will declare the decree. The Lord said unto me, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thy inheritance and the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. Jesus was heir 
to what God had for him. Heaven's throne rightfully belonged to Jesus. Heaven's throne. The earth rightfully belonged to Jesus. What authority did Satan have? The only authority, the only rule Satan had, had to do with sin. Because when Adam and Eve fell, they surrendered their authority to have dominion in the world over to Satan. And then since that time, sin had ruled and death had ruled and Satan was the master. But Jesus Christ... The man Christ Jesus came to be our redeemer and his was to be the kingdom that would have no end. Heaven's throne belonged to him, but he had a purpose to come to this earth and he had to fulfill that purpose so that you and I could then be restored as kingdom citizens. The temptation, go after your purpose, but it doesn't matter how you do it. Go after your purpose. But the method is really not important. It's all for a good cause. Come on. I'll give you the kingdom. I'll let you have everything. The temptation strikes at the heart of the purpose of the king. Amen. What does he say? Just bow down and worship me. Worship is more than actions. Worship is more than motions. Worship is more than just lifting up your hands and singing a song. Worship is more than clapping your hands or bending a knee. Worship is how you live. Amen. Worship is how you act. Worship is your attitude. Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. So here's what he's saying. You don't have to submit to the Father's will. I'll make what you want happen in your life right now. I got a better plan. Forget about accountability to the Father. Let's do it my way. It's quicker. Being held back by holy standards is nothing more than God trying to stop you from growing. I got a better plan. Why don't you jump ship? Get on the fast track to your purpose. All you have to do is worship me. I'll give you the kingdom. You have no need to follow the Father's plan. I've got a shortcut for it. You don't need to, to do all that stuff. There's an easier way. You don't have to live holy and righteous. There's an easier way. Amen. You, you don't... You don't this is, this, is, this is how it come to me. Amen. You don't have to pray. It'll all work out. I got a better plan. You don't need your pastor. Let YouTube be your pastor. I got a better plan. You don't need to go to service and fulfill Hebrews 10 and 25. Amen. You'll get everything you need on a live stream. Can I just stop here and say this? Live stream is designed to be a blessing to shut-ins, the lost, and those who have legitimate reasons to miss church. But I want to say, when you can't be in the house of God, you ought to be in the house of God. Hallelujah. It's not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But Satan says, I got a better plan. I got a better plan. You can stay home and watch church in your PJs. Trust your feelings. 
not the word. I got a better plan. So ministry is your purpose. It will happen. Don't commit to the lesser aspects of servanthood. Don't worry about being faithful. I've got a better plan. I've got fast track for you. Amen. The whole notion that leaders are held to a higher standard, well, that's not for you. I've got a better plan. Just worship me and I'll give you celebrity status. Amen. One of the, one of the greatest, greatest travesties of all Christendom is the celebrity preacher and the celebrity singer and the celebrities that have become so famous. Amen. To will they feel like they are above any kind of accountability? Amen. God wants us to follow his plan, not Satan's plan. Amen. I'm not here to demand my inheritance now. I want to follow the plan of God. At the heart of this temptation is compromise. Compromise. The world today, we see this temptation where the world says, we're smart. Philosophy is better than the book. We're smart. Secularism is smart. Can I just say we have a whole lot of smart ignoramuses in our world today. People that Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Romans chapter 1 is being played out right before us. Why? They got a better plan. Let's not follow the book. Let's not read what the book says. Let's not talk about what the book says. Amen. And Jesus was facing the temptation that we are facing today, and that is your purpose, I got a better plan. Your, your, your life, I got a better plan for you. All that, that stuff you've heard preached all your, your life, just forget about it. Go live how you want to. It is a temptation for the pit of hell, and it is about derailing your purpose and my purpose. Can you say amen? amen. <clears throat> I just want to tell you, a degree means nothing. A PhD without Jesus is just a post hole digger. First, it was turn the stones into bread, take care of yourself. Second was show off and jump off the temple, reveal yourself. In the third temptation, the enemy raises the stakes and Satan shows Jesus the potential power and the potential result of glory. If he would just simply bring his allegiance and worship to, to him. Amen. Can I tell you, Satan would have never given him what he said he would have done. What he wanted was worship. Satan would have never given him the kingdom. He never would have terminated power. He would have kept him under him, under his, because what the devil really wanted is not only to, to, to have him worship him, the devil wanted to be father to him. The devil wanted to be father to him. Amen. Satan will use revelation to tempt God's people to do what they feel like they ought to do to fast track their life. But Satan is the ultimate deal maker and he always reneges on his deal. He is so deceptive. In my years of ministry, I'm just going to mention three, but there's a whole lot more. In my years of ministry, 
I've had situations like two ladies that went to church were in a lesbian relationship for years and still worked in the church, still did things in the church, still had ministry, and this is what they said. This relationship must be right because we're doing good at church. We're doing good at church. Really? That's the temptation. Go a different way. I'll let you have this, but you got to do a different way. Worship me. One preacher was having a lengthy affair with the pastor's wife where he served. The wife said, I prayed and asked God, how can this be so wrong when things are going so good? What is it? It is the temptation to thwart God's plan to get what you want for yourself and in doing so, you bow down and worship something that is not God. One pastor who fell said, I thought my success was a sign of God's approval. So I thought my moral failure would just simply be forgiven and excused. I want to tell you, it is taking being taken to the pinnacle and say, I, I, you can live how you want as long as the end result is what you get. The end result is that you'll have the kingdoms of the world. A false concept of power and a false view of the world is certainly hampering people today. But the question is, what will you worship? What will you worship? Amen. Just change your worship and you'll get what you want. Can I just tell you, worship is not entertainment. It is sacrifice that brings glory to God. Worship is not props and performance. It is sacred and it brings glory to God. In the 50s and 60s, a man by the name of A.W. Tozer cut like a knife with his words when he said, worship is no longer worship when it reflects the culture around us more than the Christ within us. Worship, worship. The heart of temptation is about, of this temptation is about worship. Fall down and worship me. But Jesus goes back to Deuteronomy and he quotes and he says, he is quoting from this verse in Deuteronomy when he says, it is written, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. You shall not go after other gods of the gods of the people which are around you. And he summarizes it and paraphrases this when he says, he says, Satan, it is written. Get thee hence, Satan it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. We've got a generation that thinks they're doing what they want to do because they see the end result. But I want to tell you, the method still matters. The way still matters. How you live between the ends and the means. It matters. Everybody say purpose. It's the greatest need that you need to know today is that you have purpose. God has purpose. The writer in Proverbs says in chapter 19 and verse 21, Proverbs 19 and 21, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. There are many devices 
in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel, the word counsel, counsel here means greater purpose. Counsel speaks of the reason for which one, something exists. The NIV translates this verse like this. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. <clears throat> everyone in this room, everyone watching online, everyone listening to the podcast, amen, the purpose of the Lord is the most important thing in your life. And Satan wants to rob you of that. He wants to derail you. He wants to turn you in a different direction. Amen. But the purpose of the Lord is better than your plans. The purpose of the Lord is better than the plans you have in your heart. The purpose of the Lord is better than anything you could surmise. God wants to give you a purpose that will blow your mind. God wants to give you a purpose that will change the world around you. Amen. Purpose matters. Satan knows that. So he will attack your purpose. He will attack your purpose. People change. Cultures change. Governments rise and fall. Political parties come into power and out of power. But the counsel of the Lord, it'll stand. The word purpose means original intent or original design. God has original design for you, and he wants you to fulfill it. In speaking of Jesus and his purpose, the apostle Peter wrote that we are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Revelation says that he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. That was his purpose. And Satan wanted to derail that. He wanted to undermine that. Hallelujah. Because here's another purpose. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 is another purpose. He that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning for this purpose. Everybody say, for this purpose. The Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why did Satan want to derail him? Because Satan knew he was coming for him. He was coming to destroy him. He was coming to tear him down. So he wanted to try to circumvent the purpose. But Jesus was so passionate about his purpose. He said in John 4 and 35, I feel my help in the Lord. Amen. John 4 and 35, Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish the work. What is he saying? My life, my source, my passion. Amen. I'm going to do the will of him that sent me. Amen. Satan, you are a liar. My purpose is his purpose. I'm not going to circumvent going to the cross. We want, in today's generation, we want to be magnified, but we don't want to be crucified. We want to be raised up, and we want to be exalted. But Jesus showed us the way of the kingdom is to go by a cross, to go by the cross. Hallelujah. Amen. If you would go back to a verse that I did not read just earlier in Matthew 16, 24. Sorry, Sister Emily, but I'm jumping around a little bit. Matthew 16, 24. 
Then said Jesus unto the disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He never could have said that had he fallen to the temptation. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited that he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? There is nothing in this world worth losing your soul over. There is nothing in this world worth going going to hell over there is nothing in this world that is worth losing your purpose you want to know a real cool google search not cool in the sense of good but strange write this in there celebrities who gave their soul to satan just go google it there's some stories there that i wouldn't even want to present to y'all of celebrities that have given, have said from their own mouth, they've given their soul to Satan. Watch the tragic results of their life and the stories of their end of their life, and you will find it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Moms that gave their sons themselves over to Satan. Moms wanted their, their son to be great violinist years and years ago want to be great violinists that has said we've given our son over to satan he wants your talent he wants your ability he wants your gifts but god be praised he cannot have them if you don't worship him jesus said my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. Jesus came to the earth with a divine mandated purpose. The son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke writes in 19 and 10. He said the son of God took on the form of a servant. The Bible teaches us that. He considered the cost of the thorns instead of a crown and said I'll take it. He considered the pain of the nails in his hands and stripes upon his back. Why? Because he was so sold on his purpose. He said in John 5 and 19, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. What is he saying? I'm not following you, Satan. You're not my daddy. I sure am not worshiping you. I'm following my father. This is our purpose. This is our authority. Hallelujah. You will find that Jesus has all power. Matthew 28, 18. All power, Jesus said, is given unto me in heaven and earth. All power. Somebody say, all power. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24 1 Corinthians 1 and 24, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. He is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Shut up, Satan. You ain't nothing. Revelation 11 and 15, and the angel sounded and there was a great voice in heaven saying, listen to this. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. 
Jesus was patient enough to understand that I know where I'm going, I know who I am, and I know why I'm here. And there will come a day where all the kingdoms of the world are going to bow to him. Matter of fact, every knee is going to bow and say, Jesus Christ is Lord. But he said, I'm not giving up my praise to circumvent my purpose. I'm not going to give up my worship, amen, so that I can find a quick fix to get to where I need to go. These temptations teach us that temptation is common to all men, but so is victory. (laughs) For when he said to the devil, it is written, Matthew 4 and 10, Jesus said unto him, get thee hence, Satan, scat, get out of him. What? What, what word would you use? This is a good old King James. It's not a word we use in southern Indiana. Hence. How many of you have ever told your kids when they were doing something wrong? Get thee hence. Anybody ever said that? I just, just want to know. Maybe you said it like this. Get out of him. Anybody ever said that? You better get out of here. Better get on with your own self. Better get out of here. I got a word for you. Go. Scram. Scat. Jesus had had enough. And he told him, get out of here. That's what we got to do to the devil when he comes. Is look at him and say, get out of here. Go. And then he throws the word at him one more time. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shall thou serve. And know what, what, what did the devil do? He leaves him. Good decision, devil. He leaves him. But what happens is the angels come and minister to him. Temptation is common, but so is victory. Temptation is common, but so is refreshment from the heavens. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, we have that verse of scripture that says, There is no temptation. There is no trial or test taken you. There's no something that's come along you and captured you, exploited you by deception. But such is common to man. It impacts us all. We're humans. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're just a human. That's who you are. You're just a human. That's who you are. But God is faithful Somebody say, God is faithful. faithful. I'm a human, I'm tempted, but God is trustworthy, reliable, and sure who will not suffer, who will not allow or permit you to be tempted above what ye are able. Notice we hear a lot of misquoting in that verse. People will put above what you're able to bear. It doesn't say that. He said, above what you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way, a way out, an exit, an egress to escape. What are you escaping? The end result. What are you escaping? The end result. 
what Satan wants to do in your mind, he wants to do in your life, he wants to do in your world and bring temptation to you. When you say, scram, get out of here because it is written, when you take authority over that temptation, what you're saying is that I'm destroying the end result that you wanted to happen. I'm destroying when I don't drink that, eat that, sleep with that. I don't watch that. I don't go there. I don't, when I say no, amen, I am saying, devil, I'm not going to let you win. You're not going to win in my life. You're not going to win in my mind. You're not going to win in my marriage. You're not going to win in my wallet. You're not going to win. You're not going to win in my body. You're not going to win. Why? The Lord said he's making a way of escape. If you're tempted, look around somewhere. There's an exit. I just had my phone and all of a sudden it just popped up there. That pornography just popped up there. Here's the here's thing you can do. Take up that $700 piece of equipment and throw it right out the window. It's a good way to escape. Somebody say escape. I think the child of God needs to be looking for their escape ramp in everyday life. Don't put yourself in places and in situations where the devil has easy access. He's going to tempt you no matter what, but don't give him a reason. But he'll make a way of escape so the end result will not happen. Then he says that you may be able to bear it. What does that mean? That means to endure, to stand under, to face it and withstand it with courage. Stand with me, please. Temptation is common, but so is the escape. Temptation is common, but temptation doesn't mean you've sinned. It's only when you act on that temptation that it becomes sin. Jesus was tempted at all points, like as we are, yet without sin. While he was the perfect specimen to be offered as the sacrificial lamb for our salvation, he also is our example to say that if, in, if I am in him and he is in me, I can overcome what he overcome. Temptation. Just say, no. Put here, here's something. I'm gonna just give you a practical application or understanding. If you don't put up perimeters before it happens, there's more likely a chance you will fall into it when it happens. It's best to know if I'm in this situation and this happens, <coughs> here's how I'm going to do it. Here is how I'm going to handle it. I'm going to handle it this way. If this temptation comes to me, I've got a, a plan already. I'm gone. I'm gone. If the enemy comes in and tries to, to destroy my thinking and my mind, I already know I'm gone. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, 
and strengthen you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.